another episode of Rolling with the Punches. Uh, we're on episode six now. You're joined by myself, Ben Bertels, and Connor Pickin. Connor, first things first, mate. How are you? Uh, no, I'm doing good, thanks, Ben. And I'm excited. We've got a fair bit to talk about in this episode, don't we? I mean, not all of it is uh, in the most amazing kind of light right now, but it'll be a good episode. Wicked, yeah. And I think I'll just start um, t- touching a little bit on Marvin Hagler. Uh, this week, the whole of the boxing world was saddened to hear the passing of Marvellous Marvin Hagler, age 66. Um, it came as a great shock to me, uh, as well as my dad, actually, who, who was a, a huge fan of Marvin in his heyday. Um, I guess we'll just provide some context and, and, and speak a little bit on his career. Um, in around 1990, uh, Muhammad Ali really exited the sport um, in a bit of a sad way. And boxing was left with a bit of a void um, as to who was going to fill you know, that role of the, of the big global superstars. Um, and along came the four kings, which, of course, were Hagler, Hearns, Duran and Ray Leonard. Um, Marvin first won the title uh, and became the undisputed middleweight champion of the world at Wembley Stadium um, against Alan Minter uh, in round three. Uh, it was famous, of course, that fight for an amazing uh, riot, which actually happened after as a result. Um, Marvin... Won the title and then went on a, I believe, a, a streak of wins that lasted for almost seven years. Um, it's fair to say he's possibly one of the greatest middleweights of all time. Along the way, he beat Roberto Duran, as I mentioned before, one of the four kings. Tommy Hearns in pro- probably what is considered most by most boxing critics today as the greatest fight of all time, uh, stopping Tommy Hearns in round three. Uh, it was three rounds of absolute war, um, which was which was uh, fantastic and great to, great to watch back now. Uh, my dad showed me that fight probably at least 15 times uh, growing up. Uh, and yeah, what a career, what a man. And actually, he's one of those people in boxing which nobody had a bad word to say about. So Marvin Hagler, rest in peace. Mate, that was, uh, that's beautifully said, I think. That's, it's everything that, that can be said. He was a, a true gentleman and man inside and outside the ring as well, wasn't he? That's what everyone's saying now. Everyone involved in boxing is coming out and saying he was uh, some bloke inside, but also outside of the ring. So, um, uh, may, may, may what, what a fighter. I mean, you know, he, he didn't just have that ability to slug and go toe to toe and get involved in a war, as we've seen across his career. He was also brilliant. He had an ability to switch stances. Um, beautiful fighter to watch. Punch selection, punch accuracy. Um, yeah, definitely one of my favourites and one of the favourites of, of many guys across the bo- uh, boxing world. I think his career as well um, just spoke for itself. You know, he lost early on to Lee Monroe and I believe it was Bobby Watts. Um, avenged those two defeats uh, and the only remaining loss he had was Ray Leonard, of course, in a, uh, a very controversial fight uh, in which I must admit I scored the fight to Marvin Hagler. But to this day, my dad and others argue over who won that fight. And ultimately, he left the sport as a king, um, a champion in many eyes and, uh, yeah, an absolute legend. So... There you go. Well, man, it's a sad day, but um, yeah, that's what you said there is beautiful and very true. Man. But moving on to some more positive news, um, and perhaps probably the the fight between Chocolatito and Estrada was one that Marvin could be definitely happy and uh, proud to see. Um, Connor, I wanted to just basically jump in and get your thoughts, mate. How, how did you score the fight? First things first. Uh, so I scored the fight 115-113 um, to Estrada in the end. Uh, I've watched it back twice now, to be honest. 
And I know it's really controversial. A lot of people kind of won't have that. Maybe maybe yourself don't have that. But um, I think Estrada, in my opinion, actually took a lot more of the open beginning rounds than I think people gave him credit for. Um, that's just the way I, I scored it myself. You know, it was super controversial. But I mean, the best thing is to describe it an instant classic, isn't it? Fuck. Oh, I mean, Eddie, Eddie Hearn put it as his, uh, yeah, sorry, the greatest fight he's ever seen, uh, which I think was a bit of an exaggeration, but I, I can certainly see it's got to be up there. I think it was a total of 2,500 uh, punches thrown combined, which is just astonishing. When you think Yildirim only threw 82 in his, uh, in his fight with Canelo, those numbers really, yeah, they're put into context. But um, from my point of view, um, yeah. considering I picked Estrada and I was fairly certain that Estrada would get the job done, um, it'd be quite easy, I think, for me to just rest on that um, and say, I told you so sort of thing. But actually, I scored about 115 to 113. I agreed with Jose, I think his name is Jesse Reyes, that's it, the, the judge. Uh, I scored about exactly the same as him, um, but it was very close. And I think there was a few mentions of robbery uh, online, which I think is harsh. My first thoughts after having watched it were he'd been robbed there on one of the cards. And certainly we'll, we'll talk a bit about that card in a minute. But for me, I felt Chocolatito, with the more accurate and cleaner and measured work, um, it just sort of depends on what you like. I mean, Estrada threw flashy combinations, you know, in a lot of bunches with a lot of speed. But for me, Chocolatito is more accurate of the two um, across the rounds. But, but yeah, what a fight. I mean, he was more accurate. He did land more bunches, Chocolatito did. But it's exactly what you say there. It depends what you like. I mean, I suppose, I also, I think, watching it live, I probably prefer the, the flashy combinations and maybe moving a bit quicker. But when we're there, maybe I'd probably agree with you. I mean, I don't know. That, that's the beauty of it. But... I mean, one thing I want to touch upon on this fight, because um, you mentioned Yildrum, and did you see Eddie Hearn came out, uh, was it a few days ago, and said he paid more to Yildrum than he paid either Chocolatito or Estrada for that fight. And that kind of shows it. it's quite, obviously everyone knows it's because Canelo is such a big name and how much he brings in, but it's almost insulting to, to, to release that as a public information, I think, to Chocolatito and Estrada, the fact that they, he paid Yildrum more money he paid either of them? I think it, yeah, it's the way it goes, mate. And uh, obviously, Canelo is the big, the big draw, isn't he? But it, it, yeah, when you put it like that, it's uh, it's pretty sad, I've got to say. Um, but those two, I mean, they're just they're all time greats for me. I think Choc Chocolatito, you know, Roman Gazzai's career um, is, I mean, it doesn't get enough credit. And actually, speaking of the pound for pound, which we we touched on in the, in the last podcast episode. I've actually moved Chocolatito into my uh, current top 10 after that performance. Whereabouts? Um, right at the bottom. So he, uh, he, he slots in at, at number 10. I actually think number 10, you can make an uh, argument for it, number eight, nine and 10 being a super flyweight um, at the moment. I think you could have Estrada, Chocolate, uh, Chocolatito and um, Ioka all in there. They're all huge names, huge fighters. And I can't wait to see them all, you know, keep fighting each other. And I think, I think Eddie can deliver that. And that's what's beautiful about the super flyweight right now is that none of them, cause, probably because they know the money isn't there if they keep the kind of the undefeated record because because they're less kind of commercial value is, isn't as big, but they're just happy to fight each other. And imagine if we saw that now in, um, in the other weight classes. I mean, I think if, if they do all fight each other, they would have all fought each other twice by the time they retire. And we, we're not going to see that in any other division. Um, no, you're spot on. Yeah, spot on. Um, and then just obviously, it's a, it's going to be another one this week. David Sutherland scored that about 117 to 111, which uh, it, uh, 
How many? I'm trying to do the maths. I think he would have needed to give about nine rounds, I think. Or, yeah, it's or, or nine something. to three, isn't it? Starts one twenty, I think. So he gave three rounds to uh, uh, Chocolatita. I think. Anyway, some good news, some positive news on that is that finally a governing body has, um, after our rants in the past few weeks about them, they've they've stood up and and said something. So the WBA, I believe, has suspended his um, judging license or, or, or officiating license under the WBA, and they're going to give him a chance to to explain how and why he scored it that way, which I think is a really positive thing. But look, I just can't see how someone can can give Estrada nine of those rounds. I, I, I don't know if you agree, mate, but. Yeah, it's just it's disgusting again, and it's also quite nice to come from the, the, the governing body because Eddie Hearn can't, as we said in the last episode, can't really do anything. The promoter can't, and so it has to come from the WBA. And hopefully, we'll see the WBC follow WBO, IBF. I think it'd be great to kind of see the rest of the governing bodies follow, and maybe after this, use it as an example going forward. So maybe referees will be kind of. I, don't, I think I don't want to say it's corrupt, but it's it's biased it's and that's what the word is like it, it, no matter who you are you can't score the fight 117 so no. there obviously is some bias there and, and, and yeah. I don't know where it comes from whether it's kind of a corruption or whether it's just a hatred for another fighter i don't know what it is but it is so messed up and it's disgusting yeah it was uh it was certainly a close fight and look if you give that fight for for in favor of either fighter i can sort of see you get away with it but but that wide um it's just yeah it, it, it's not just improbable it's, it's, it's impossible for me um but what i just wanted to get your thoughts now really which is uh sort of what's next for chocolatito can you see him can you see him coming back again and having another fight i mean certainly from my perspective he, he doesn't look like he's lost it um no and actually he gave a fantastic interview i don't know if you saw it after after the fight um just just such a happy guy just such a good bloke they're both great blokes i just i've got so much love for both of them. I'm, I'm being a bit of a fanboy here but i really can say I admire both fights, but but yeah, what, what's your take on that? What, what do you think is next for both of them? Well, I, I agree. Like what Estrada said after the fight was, um, you know, Chocolatito, he said, Choc's a great guy. He deserves the trilogy. I, I thought I won that. Have to check the cards. Don't know if I was up. And it's like, in his own head, the, the, the honesty there is just so amazing. And oh, mate, uh, yeah, I can't tell you how relieving it was to hear those two interviews. It's just like, these guys are proper. Do you know what I mean? Exactly. Proper. Mate. Like, yeah. Real men. Um, I mean, I think, for Chocolatito, I'd probably want the rematch straight away because as we've seen with kind of trilogies before and I suppose big fights is you've got to strike while the iron's hot because that's when these fighters can get the most money and that and that's what they deserve. All they deserve is the most money, right? Because they've already Particularly, got... Particularly, yeah, Gonzalez. Exactly. And, and they've already got their legendary status, in my opinion. Or, or uh, yeah, they, almost, they basically do. And they've, they've got the status. And now... I know Estrada's got his uh, mandatory with Ringvisai. Is it Ringvisai? Ringvisai? Ringvisai, yeah. I think it's yeah, the WBA, is it? I could I be wrong. I can't remember. I'm not sure. But he's got that. But, I mean, if I was him, obviously it depends on the money, I'd just give up the belts and then go for the rematch straight away. Because that's straight with the iron spot. That's when the most money's going to be. And you've already got the legendary status. So it depends what he wants. Does he want legacy or does he want money? And that's what it's going to boil down to, right? Yeah, I think uh, it'd be nice to see Chocolatito leave the sport, uh, sorry, sport at the, at the height of his his powers. So if he now went on to fight, you know, 10 more times and ended up leaving the sport, you know, you know, at, at a lower level, it would be it'd be quite sad for me. So I think you're completely right when you say just sort of cash in, try and get that, get that, get that trilogy. And uh, and then, yeah, maybe, maybe leave the sport because, yeah, he's already a legend. 
um, in my eyes. I, I love Roman Gonzalez and uh, that fight for me cemented him as, as one of my, my favourite all-time fighters. I, I really do. I really do mean that. So, yeah. Couldn't agree more, mate. Um, brilliant. And then, well, I can't wait for the trilogy. If it's going to be anything like the, uh, the, the second and even the first one I watched in the build-up, I mean, it doesn't even need to be promoted. It's some fight. I think that, mate, that 12th round for me, I mean, it's, it's round of the year. I, I can't see a round being it. Just, just because, you know, I think in Estrada's corner, they were telling him, you know, you're down on the cards. You need to, you need to up, your, up your tempo and stuff. And, and, and he did exactly that. And not only did he do that, he did that and more. And in the 12th, it just became an absolute war. Fast hands, accuracy. There was so much going on. Like from the, from the blind eye, it might just look like loads of hands, but there was so much going on um, across that round. And it, it was just a fantastic thing to see. Um, so, right. yeah, can't wait for what's next. And I, I mean, I think we, you, you actually sent this to me. On voice notes, we were talking about after the fight, and you were like, the only thing they let that down was probably like the, the zone commentary. Because listening to it at night, it just made, I was hoping, I'd love to hear Mike Costello's voice over that 12th round. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I don't want to be too critical because I know the zone, it's early stages a little bit, and they're, they're yeah. probably still trying to get things right. But I've got to say, I have to be honest here, and, and in my evaluation of their commentary, it's not been good enough. Um, in recent in recent weeks, and I, I don't want to say it was biased in that fight by any means, but I felt they favoured Chocolatito a little bit at times. Um, but maybe that's just because everyone loves him. If you know him personally, I can imagine it's just like he, he just seems like such a lovely bloke. Um, but yeah, yeah, it, it, it's frustrating. It was yeah, it was not good commentary, and it kind of it didn't live up to. Well, then how do I say it? the commentary? wasn't as good as the fight was and it kind of it deserved better commentary but I mean as the zone get better I'm sure they'll they'll get they'll kind of build their commentary team and, and move forward hopefully yeah and um basically now I suppose we'll just move on to this weekend's action um which uh, on Saturday I've got to say got to give it to him Eddie's delivered for us again a really good car from top to bottom in co-league Lewacki um for the WBO cruiserweight championship of the world um Connor, I just wanted to get your final thoughts. We've talked a lot on, on this fight and just wanted to sort of get your final thoughts and, and I'll give mine and, and, and see where we are. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, my final thoughts, I kind of I went through earlier, I was looking at Glowacki's history and oh, every time I kind of watched the wars he's been in and, and the fights he's been in, I kind of, it changes, my mind kind of changes, but I, I truly think Lawrence Coley um, has got his number. I don't, I don't see the fight going the distance, really, to be honest. Um I see Lawrence Coley stopping him, and I don't know if it's going to be early, middle, late rounds. I, I, it's one of the fights I just can't decide um, because I feel like a Coley will want to sit out the first four or five rounds, keeping him at his distance, waiting, and then when the time comes, maybe five, six, seven, eight rounds, maybe leading to championship rounds, he'll, he'll want to get him out of there because I, think, I don't think there's any rush or, unless Glowacki kind of knows that and has to come in flying. That, that, that might be his strategy because he knows that Akoli can keep him at his distance. So if Glowacki comes in flying, then we're in for one hell of a fight. But I think Akoli is going to come out on top. What about you? Well, actually, I don't want to uh, steal other people's uh, assessments of any fight. So I'm going to I'm going to say Matthew Macklin did a really good um, piece on this fight, actually, in the week with Sky Sports Boxing. And he was basically just saying that because Glowacki's southpaw um, and tends to be, he tends to fall in a little bit and be a bit lazy. Um, he was just saying that when you're fighting a southpaw, a very dangerous shot is the right hand. And um, 
what we know about Akoli is that not only does he bang hard, but the right hand is something that has been devastating for him. Um, so Macklin was making a case for maybe even an early stoppage in which Glowacki just walks onto a huge shot. Um, but I don't believe that personally. I think McGuigan will, will be a bit more measured in how he um, how he brings Akoli uh, into this one. And I think, like you say, it might just take a couple of rounds to get going. I think it could be a little bit cagey in, in a sense that it will be a bit messy early on. A, lot, a lot's been said about Akoli's style. And he, he's heavily criticised. And I think um, I think that, that might be because, yeah, it's just, it's just a bit messy. Um, but I think once he clutches him clean, like you say, he'll, he'll just finish the, finish the contest. So for me, I, I agree. I think Akoli, Akoli wins this one by, by stoppage. And apart from that, I mean, talking about the rest of the card, so we've got... Anthony Fowler, Chris Billen-Smith, Ramal Ali, Ellie Scottney, and there's one other name that I think I've forgotten in there. Who else is on that card? Yeah. Well, I'll tell you what is a massive shame. I mean, I know we've, we've talked about him a fair bit. Well, I have talked about him. I've been um, blowing smoke up his arse on here for, for a few weeks, but unfortunately, Dion Juma has, has pulled out of the fight with Chris Billen-Smith, which is, uh, came as a bit of a shock and was quite frustrating because because Juma had already pulled out previously and um, he's got a lot of problems with his eyes. I actually don't know the specifics as to why he's had to pull out of that one. Um, but yeah, very disappointed and hoping Dion can, can, can come back from that. But uh, yeah, I think who's jumped into car, is it, for Billum Smith? I've got the list right in front of me. Let me find it now. It's um, Yeah, I think it, it, a bit of an unknown yeah, name, but, but yeah. certainly a name with a bit of pedigree, I think. Um, and yeah, he'll look to put on a show, but I'm, I'm just so excited to see to see the whole card, mate. Uh, I think Cordina's boxing on it, isn't he? Yes, that's it. Joe Cordina's. I mean, I've missed him, mate. 2019, he was at the top of his game. He had so much momentum behind him. He hasn't fought since then. He's one head of a fire, um, for sure. And a uh, kid with a lot of, uh, a really good future. Obviously, he's he's one of those guys that's had a really good progression. Much like a Coley, really, you know, British, Commonwealth, then on to EVU, um, or however Cordina's career has progressed to date but I think um, yeah he's one that if, if Eddie takes him through a, a good progression he'll, uh, he'll win a world title for me um, and I can't wait to see him back in action and mate I think uh, an almost a sleeper fight on that card is Ramallah Ali versus Beck Connolly because Beck Connolly's been with I mean she's almost been in with everyone she's been with Rachel Ball she's been with Natasha Jonas um, I don't know if she's been in with Katie Taylor I don't think so maybe, maybe early on I don't think so and it's just uh, maybe she's also been in with um I was going to say Savannah Marshall, but I'm not sure. But she's definitely been in with Natasha, Joni, Natasha Jonas and Rachel Ball. And she is tough as fuck, mate. And so, and Ramala Ali has obviously got a lot of press behind her from she signed for 258 management. She's got uh, an amazing story. Um, I think she was uh, coming from a, a family where they had to, they were refugees and they had to come to the UK. And she's now, her family had given her an amazing life. But then she's now gone against them from what her parents wanted. And now she wants to fight. And even though her parents said they used to fight to get out of where they were, Ramal Ali's now gone back into fighting. And it's, it's an amazing story. So that fight in, in Ramal Ali's second professional fight as a bet colony is actually a really big fight. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So you've sold it to me, mate. <laughs> I love it. I <laughs> Should love be a promoter. That. Yeah. Um, actually, I wanted to sort of touch a little bit on some news we got this week as well, Connor. Um, actually, which came from the mouth of Eddie Hearn um, towards ESPN, which was that, the fight between Fury and Joshua is signed uh, by both parties. Uh, I wanted to get your take on, on what that sort of means and whether anything has actually changed um, for you. What, what do you think? I, I actually think for the uh, kind of diehard or key boxing fans, we basically know it means nothing. 
I mean, my dad, when I saw him this morning, he goes, Connor, did you hear the fight sign? My brother called me. Connor, did you hear the fight sign? So yeah, but what sign is the deal, the agreement on their split, the, the date in which they have to put the location and the site fee. And as Eddie's heard and said before in interviews, there's no fight until there's a site and a fee. Yeah, that was something that frustrated me a little bit because it was a little bit of a contradiction for me from, from Eddie. Um, which we don't, we actually, to be fair to Eddie, we don't get uh, that much. Um, but I thought it was a bit of a contradiction because, yeah, in the past, like you say, he's been focused on once we get the venue and the date and the site fee, then we can worry about it. But on, on this one, um, yeah, he seemed to just rush into it. And I think there was a bit of a verbal agreement Bob Aaron was talking about this week of, of just keeping things a little bit more quiet until they've got, they've got all that stuff agreed. I think, is it Spriegel from ESPN? Um, I might be saying his name wrong. So they've now got 28 to 30 days, I think, to get a, a venue sorted. Eddie said he came out and agreed that it's 28 days from when they signed the contract. So we don't actually know officially when that was. Was that yesterday? Was that two, three days ago? We don't know. Yeah, so that, that's, that's an interesting element into the equation. Um, I think as well, I, I'm going to quote someone else as well here, but Mike Costello uh, said this week something quite interesting, which was if that fight was to take place in an outdoor arena in the summer in the Middle East, it would be too hot. Yeah. So, you know, he was saying if it, if it was July, you can't fight in those conditions, you know, let alone spectate. Do you know what I mean? It, it's, not, it's not plausible. So it's going to be interesting now to see where, where we go with this and where, whether maybe it will be pushed to a bit later, which I worry a little bit, maybe to the back end of the year, which would be quite sad from a personal perspective. But either way, we're at a stage now where we can at least sit here and say, you know, it's nearly there, sort of. <laughs> so That's think, it. Yeah. We're, we're almost there. And I think what you're saying there about the uh, the uh, the weather, I think September to January is when you can fight outside in kind of Middle East. But what would be interesting is, um, do you think Abu Dhabi, because, you know, they want, they took Fight Island there on the deal, which was like Abu Dhabi tourism, and that was inside. So I'm wondering if they're speaking to them and kind of almost you, you swap out the UFC ring for the boxing ring and they go to Abu Dhabi Fight Island, you know, or, or inside of venues like that. I mean, I, an inside venue would not surprise me. For yeah, I think I think the interesting thing with that as well is, is with the Middle East, obviously we want, you know, 50 to 60,000 people there, including Brits. Uh, but the reality of the landscape now with the pandemic is that it's not really plausible, um, or at least that's how I see it in terms of going into the summer. But I think um, you can make enough money from gate receipts from, you know, rich locals um, at a, in, in a smaller venue. Um, and to be honest with you, um, I agree with Johnny Nelson, which is what he said on Sky Sports News this week, which is just, I don't really give a dog bollocks where this fight is. I just want to see it. I, I don't know if you agree with that, mate, but I just want to see it. I couldn't care less where it is. You know, do it in do it in someone's back garden, do it on the cobbles, do you know what I mean? Bare knuckle. I just want to see Joshua and Fury head-to-head -head boxing. Yeah, I think I agree with you, and I just want to see it right. I completely agree, but same time, there's some place in my heart which is like, if the UK don't get one of them, I mean, one of them, I mean, a unified heavyweight champion of the world, both British, and neither of the fights is going to be in the UK. That just it hurts me. But I understand as well because it's going to have to be the government who would put in the money. And the government can only do that if they get sponsors on board. And the government aren't going to put up 100 million each for the fight. No way. So there's basically zero chance of it happening in the UK. But 
there's a part of me when AJ came out um, back after he beat Klitschko and said, that's it, UK boxing is back, I'm bringing it back. And then where has he been since then? Do you know what I mean? It's like, yeah, it's just like, yeah. I had such high hopes for British boxing to be back and go to the fights and, you know, and enjoy that night out. But at the same time, pandemic is probably a good excuse for them not to have it in the UK. So that's why they're striking now. Like, Yeah, I think... The second one for me has to be in the UK. Um, if it's a two-fight deal, the rematch, the rematch has to be in the UK. There, there's no excuse once you've cashed in on the first one for having that fight anywhere else apart from Wembley or the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. Um, you ca you can't make a case for it being anywhere else. You, you've made your money now. You've got to come and give us give us what we want. And I just thought it was very sad hearing Fury's comments that he doesn't wish to fight in the UK ever again, um, because for me. He is, he will finish his career regardless because he's a, you know, he's won that ring magazine twice. The only UK fighter to do it, he will finish his career regardless of what happens with Joshua as a, as a British boxing legend. Um, and I think the Brits deserve, you know, the amount of people that have traveled out to his fights in America, the Brits deserve Tyson Fury boxing on British shores before the end of his career. You're right. That you put it really well there. It was just like, it was so upsetting. I know he's taking the piss a bit, talking about drinking pints, just wants more money in his pocket, all that. But that interview was it was in such a shit mood. And I watched that and just thought, you, I thought, pardon me for you, prick. I mean, the, the amount of support you get, the amount of loyalty that these fans have given you, the support from the books, from the merchandise, from everything, from coming back. I mean, what he's done is completely amazing. He's done it on his own terms. But without the fans, there's no room for it. And for him just to say, uh, what did he say? Las Vegas is my home. What? I mean, that is cruel almost to, to the British fans who supported them this whole way. Yeah, I mean, I think the, the other thing that we have to bear in mind is you have to take things that Fury says with a bit of, bit of pinch of salt because he's a wind-up merchant. And um, it's quite funny to me how like two days before Eddie says it, he signed the contract, you know, Fury's put pen to paper. He says he's not going to fight him and all, all this kind of stuff on the MTK car. So he's just on the wind-up, mate. That's that's just him. But but I do agree uh, a little bit with you. And, and as I touched on before, it will be sad for me personally not to see Fury box again in the UK. Yeah, it will be. I mean, I've never seen him box live. I'd love to. Have you ever seen him box live? No, mate. So um, I think the... I don't know if it... I think it was Chisora 1 with Fury. Which I was meant to go to, but there was a problem with um when I, with the trains, um which like get it finished very late. I can't remember the specifics of it, but I've never seen Fury live, which is something like like I said, I I would regret if he finished his career without boxing in the UK for sure. Um, I'd love to see him live, yeah, for sure. I think yeah, he's one of those guys you've got to you've got to say to your kids that you, you saw. But then so is Joshua, so you know you've got yeah. to give that man the credit too. Um. Very, very true, mate. Anything else, mate? Anything this week that's pissed you off or or <laughs> anything you wanna anyone anything you wanna talk about? I'm just trying to think on any uh, any fights I want to touch on. I mean, I suppose I was quite upset to see Shannon Courtney, her fight versus rematch versus Rachel Ball. I think that's on the Povetkin undercard. Uh, for the what is it, WBO, I think. That's been uh, rescheduled because Rachel Ball's suffering from coronavirus, it's quite sad. So hopefully she uh, she recovers quickly, sending our thoughts out to her. But that was a fight I was really looking forward to because Shannon Courtney, for me, had such like progression behind her. 
And then she just boxed awfully. Um, and My so, right in saying Ebony Bridges has stepped in for that one, mate. Exactly. And that, I mean, Ebony Bridges is fucking hard as nails, mate. <laughs> so, like, I don't know what your opinion kind of is on, on, on female boxing and, and maybe we could do a, a separate segment on this another time, but I, I love it right now and I think it's really taking off. Um, and that, that fight it is brilliant. Ebony Bridges versus Shannon Courtney. Fair play to have taken that Ebony Bridges at such short notice. Yeah, no, definitely for sure. You're not, but you're not going to pass up a shot, you know, to fight fight on that stage. So, so it was good. It, it was good that they've they rescheduled it, but obviously sad as you say that we couldn't couldn't see the one that we were going to see originally, which was Rachel Ball, who I love watching because uh, the names slipped. Who did she box in fight camp for Rachel Ball? Uh, Natasha Jonas, is it? Yeah, uh, yeah. Was it? It was, I've got, I've anyway, got a right here. I remember watching her and just thinking, wow, you are not only tough, but you are brilliant. And um, I think a lot of a lot of the women's fights at the moment are, are showing up the, the men's fights a little bit um, for certain. I think sometimes the style in which the female fighters seem to seem to box is just um, it ends up being a being a war at times. So it's, it's good to watch. No, that was it. She fought Beck Connolly, beat Beck Connolly. And then she went and fought Shannon Courtney in fight camp because when she beat Correct. her. Yeah, yeah, correct. That's, that's right. the fight, Courtney. Sorry, yeah, it slipped my mind, but yeah, excited for that one for sure. And I think that's the good thing about female boxing right now is that it's like obviously nowhere near. I think the boxing level and that kind of the height of Chocolatito Estrada, but it's like the same. They're all happy to fight each other. Like they've all fought Beck Connolly. They've all kind of Shannon Courtney's happy to step in with Emily Bridges at the last minute. Rachel Bulls fought Natasha Jonas. Natasha Jonas actually didn't accept Eddie's last offer to her, so I'm not sure what happened with her, but. Katie Taylor, her fight's next being announced on Friday. Um, and Cecilia Breakhouse, her fight recently was amazing. I think women's boxing right now is, is great because they're all happy to fight each other. I mean, the only issue for me is the two-minute rounds. I think they deserve three-minute rounds, to be honest. Um, I don't like the fact it's two-minute rounds of female boxing, but that's my only issue with it, really. I can see that. Yeah, for sure. I think an interesting question I wanted to ask you, which is, is one that I've not just been asked by, you know, Boxing, the boxing fraternity that, that I know, but I've actually been asked this question by casual fans of the sport, um, which is, how far do you think Katie Taylor would go in the men's pros? Because I know my opinion on this, but but how far do you think Katie would go in the men's? Because she's exceptional. Oh, what a question. I think, I think she'd go really far, mate. Uh, and I think it's because she she's just not scared to have a tear-up. And although obviously that's, that's not really what you want to kind of have a long boxing career, but it's the way she, for me, it's the way she, she chooses her angles and goes from body to head. So I think she, I think it's so hard to compare because I don't, I actually don't think once you're that level of an athlete, the gender has actually much to do with it. She, yeah, she's exceptional, mate. Exceptional fight all the way through from the amateurs to the pros. She's been, you know, the fighting pride of Ireland um, for me to date. She's, uh, yeah, she's exceptional and, and someone that I think Ireland should be very, very proud of. What do you think? How hard do you think she could go? Certainly British. Um, yeah. And certainly beyond that for me. Um, obviously, it's very hard for, for, for a lot of reasons to, to make such a comparison um, and in, impossible to make such a comparison. But I'm just talking based off, off the level in which she boxes at. Um, and I think she's exceptional. I think she could push on even further, potentially. She's a... Uh, yeah, I've got a lot of admiration and love for Katie. I don't know if you've seen the Netflix doc um, about her, which was uh, just brilliant. Like the, her upbringing, her life, you know, how she fell into boxing, the dedication. Um, 
yeah, she's got all the attributes of, of a fantastic world champion. Yeah, and the relationship with her trainer as well, I think, um, yeah, it's, it's an amazing story. And I mean, one promoter's absolutely jump on. And that, that DM, have you seen that DM with uh, Eddie Hearn? I might, I might pop up on the screen now so people can see her home. Um, it's a DM where Katie messages uh, Eddie and goes, hi, Eddie, like, I hope you're doing really well. Something along the lines of, I've kind of seen what you're doing for boxing at the moment. I think it's great. I'd love to discuss going pro. Seen it, yeah, brilliant. It's amazing. I'll put it on now so I can see it. And, oh, it's just yeah. from that to where she is now, mad. I mean, what a job Eddie has done with her and what she's done, obviously, herself. But it's amazing. Well, listen, Connor, um, I think we've we've covered a fair bit there. Obviously, there, there are a few more things to cover in the coming weeks. Obviously, Dylan White on the 27th, um, which I think you can... Join me in saying I'm absolutely buzzing for. Um, we'll probably have a fighter interview out on the Friday. Um, so look out for that. Um, but apart from that, Connor, it's been a good episode. And um, thanks, everyone, for listening. Yeah, cheers, guys. And thank you, Ben. Yeah.